Hello and welcome to the Pro Player Diary. I've given up on trying to remember what episode it is. We're just going to say it's the June 7th, 2023 edition of the Pro Player Diary. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal in the Brooklyn Bunker. Once again, happy to get to be playing a home game this weekend with the Belmont Stakes Racing Festival happening not too far away from here, uh, where I am right now in Brooklyn. Uh, unfortunately, it takes a little too long to get there, but hey, it's still easier than hopping on a plane and uh, driving through switchbacks in the hills, something my next guest knows a little something about based on his recent travels. I'm speaking, of course, of the titular pro player, our friend Sean Borman. Sean, what's going on, my man? I'm just sitting here watching Hong Kong. Back at it. That's kind of fun. We can do, we can, you can let us know. We can do some live stuff if you have any wagers coming up in Hong Kong. Let me pull it up on one of the monitors uh, in here. How, uh, we're, we're, we'll, we'll get to that. When's the next race in Hong Kong, though, just to clue me in? We've got, uh, we've got nine minutes to post till the second. Okay. And do you think, do you project to be doing anything in this race? Uh, possibly. I've, I've got a small opinion. I'm just going to see what the exact is paying. All right, well, but I'm we'll, definitely definitely going to bet the third. I like the third. All right, well, we'll, fo- we'll follow we'll along. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll pull it up here so I don't uh, just um, run on right through it. The last we spoke, you know, you were you were in a bit of a holding pattern. One thing I know I wanted to ask you about was Christmas Day. Are you? Um, did you have anything you wanted to talk about from before, from after our last show, and and before that? Well, if I it would help if I could remember when the hell we did the last show. So I'm I'm just gonna say no. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, no no good stories before before that though. Like uh, no, nothing that you knew you wanted to talk about. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm sure you're gonna. Uh, I know you're gonna ask me about taxed from our, <laughs> from our conversation just a second ago. You um, had this is a Philly who you had talked about liking potentially for the Oaks. So I can only assume you you liked her for for, uh, for for this race, though there were some mitigating circumstances because of uh, of the presence of uh, of, a, of another horse in the race who made all the sense in the world. I'm I'm curious as uh, I don't know if you need to pull up your notes or not for the Black Eyed Susan, but I can quickly while you do that or or don't, I'll tell you that. I really liked taxed and ended up outsmarting myself in the in, in the race. So if that if that's if that's what happened to you, you've got plenty of company. Well, yeah, uh, of course I screwed it up. I, I liked tax as well. Thought she offered a lot of value, but I liked the who was the was it a Baffert Philly? Yes, it was. I'll pull. I'm pulling up the chart right now, so I can talk about these things. In, in there was also the way the track was playing on that Friday factored into to my ultimately screwing that up. Yeah, no, me too. Because I, I thought the the you know, the other one, I ended up double keying taxed with the other one. Who I can't remember the name of. Was it FISA? It wasn't FISA, was it? It was. It was okay. Um, just the way that track was playing, I, I thought. You know, sort of outside speed was just dominating, um, and I sort of projected them to both get perfect trips, which they did. And um, Fiza was just no damn good. I mean, she ran you know, horribly. I thought. 
Yeah, bad so third. I, yeah. Um, and I could have taken it that way, but I couldn't take the who's your Philly horse, who I yeah. think read second. That's and exactly I right. Just, I just hated that horse. Um, so now that we're talking this too, I don't, I don't actually, I, in my mind, I had really sort of screwed that up other than not betting tax to win, which was a screw up. Um, yeah, I just got beat. I, who's your Philly? I couldn't have used it and wouldn't have used under any circumstance in there. So, um, that's what, that, now that we're talking about it, that's what happened with me is I, I could have taken it taxed blank FISA as long as it wasn't who's your Philly. Yeah, she and, and the theory there, right, is that she who's your Philly being six to one kind of makes the market like you throw her exactly. out, and that's uh, it's not being stubborn, it's that's kind of where the value of the, of the race is for a bet like the trifecta when you can take the, the second choice and chuck completely. Um, so I get that. The, the thing that I regret is not playing taxed in the Black Eyed Susan Preakness double, which is a bet that I yeah. did play. And for some reason, I just singled FISA in it. And in retrospect, I mean, it just, but I'm just going to say it is boneheaded. You don't need to spend much money in a Dutch to, to cover tax there. And if, you know, you either take the win money or you play the, you don't, you shouldn't be talking on TV like I was about how taxed is a live long shot and, and only have her with, with FISA. That was, I, I felt stupid about that. Yeah, that was probably a mistake. If you were in that pool, um, you, you probably should have used taxed. I don't hate you're missing out on the try there, um, really, just because I do agree that I thought incorrectly going in that Hoosier Philly was the, the takeout reducer, essentially. Yeah, and I think I mean I still think she was. She just she just ran. I mean, she you couldn't have. You know, I know they thought that she was some world beater early in her career, and you know could beat beat the boys and whatnot. But she's up until like that Tuesday day, she just wasn't any fucking good. I mean, you know, I, she, you know, I, I still don't exactly know where that race came from. Even her good races weren't that good, so. Um, I don't. I don't really regret trying to beat her at all. So what happened? In did you? You would have had another Hong Kong day potentially that that Saturday. I assume by the following Wednesday you were traveling, um, heading over to heading over to Italy. But did, did uh, was there any other Hong Kong action pre uh, trip to Italy? Yeah, I, I, I liked. Uh, I really liked a horse in the last race. At Shaw Ten that Sunday, um, who who had been sort of stuck in bad barrier draws and had been ridden cold a few times in a row, you know, dropping back to last and finishing and still running really well. Uh, but this day he had drawn the rail, and even though on paper it didn't really look like he had that much speed, you know those horses that that draw the rail there typically find themselves in really good spots and they show, you know, they show more speed than it seems like they have. Um, so I thought this horse was just going to get a you know, perfect trip. And there was another horse uh, in the race who I'd been sort of chasing for like two months. I bet, a, bet on him once and did okay. And then 
he still got a bad trip that day. And I bet on him the next time and he got a worse trip. And, you know, it's just this horse that I've been sort of following. Um, and he was like, I think he ended up going off at like 69 to one, 70 to one, something like that. Um, so, you know, I played a big exacta, the horse I thought was going to win with this value horse. Played tries, just a couple tries. There was only, you know, three or four other contenders in there. Um, and, you know, I sat, I sat there and, you know, in my, in my typical, you know, 4.30 a.m. decision-making said, you know, uh, this horse, the, the, the value horse, I thought, you know, really looked like a, I mean, he looked like a 10 or 12 to one shot to me. I mean, honestly, the horse had the best figures in the race off his last race. Um, but he was drawn wide, had sort of a, a, not a bad jockey, but not one of the best jockeys up. Um, so I said, you know, 70, this horse is 70 to one. If he's 25 to one or 30 to one, that's just a tremendous bet. But the market's telling me something. He's 70 to one. I just, I just couldn't, you know, I just sort of got bluffed off by the price. And I said to myself, like, how often do, do 70 to one shots actually win races? So I don't, I don't need to flip this exactly. And, you know, they, they spin for home. My top choice gets the trip, the exact perfect trip I'm looking for. Swings out, takes the lead, looks nothing but a winner. 70 to one shots, you know, comes up the rail, gets a good split. And he starts running and I'm sitting there, you know, 200 meters going the race. I'm sitting there thinking, well, shit, I'm just paid for this whole Italy trip right here. This is, you know, all this horse has got to do is finish and I'm just going to pound this exacta. And he starts finishing, and I get excited. And then he starts finishing a little too much, and a little too much, and snaps me right on the wire. So oh my the, god! Comes the, comes the wrong way, and I I didn't make the bet. I just you know I said to myself, uh, the market was the market was telling me something, and I believed it. Um, oh, so I end up you know I end up catching I end up catching the consolation pick three. Um, cause I had a, a big pick three live to that other horse and, uh, you know, I did, I, I think I ended up breaking even for the day possibly. Um, but you know, it was like 15 or $20,000 score for every jump except the, except the wire, which, you know, and I've thought about, thought about that a lot. I, you know, I went back and actually looked at, you know, some, some of these bigger priced horses that that I've bet on over there. And I'm not so sure I wasn't right about the market. I mean, they, the market over there is really good. And, you know, they clearly didn't think that horse was going to win. But I, I guess ultimately the, the lesson I learned was that, you know, my figures are good enough to where I sh should just make the bet. I mean, um, it's, it's just one of those tricky things for me that, you know, I know that market means something and you've got to pay attention to it. And, you know, even the computer guys say the same thing, like they can't win without having a, a good market to go off of. So 
Isn't there a certain point where the price is so good that it doesn't matter and it costs you so little to cover it the other way that you're just supposed to? Well, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, you know, a case like this where the horse legitimately had the best figure of the race. I, I think, I think you're just supposed to trust your, your own work and not, and not the market, but it is, I mean, you know, how often do we say like, God, Chad, Chad Brown's, you know, this horse looks great, but he's sitting there at eight to one. That means something, you know, that, so, uh, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's certainly, a, it's certainly screwed it up. Um, but I, I don't remember the last time I remember a dozen times where I loved a horse that I thought should be 15 to one and they're sitting there at 50 and they run last. I don't remember the last time they beat me. Um, but you're right from like a risk reward standpoint, you're just supposed to make the bet. I mean, that exact to pay 250 to one, I think. Um, it's my top two choices on the race. So, I mean, yeah, you're supposed to have that, but. I'm getting a little bit of playback through your mic, Sean. I don't know if you can if you can turn that down a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, I can. Is it just a, yeah? They just ran a race, so was yeah, and that was the other thing I was going to ask you about. Did you end up making a play there? No, I got wrapped into that story and uh, I was going <laughs> to lose, so that was good. Well, we saved you some. We saved you some money. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, for me, that market signal comes more much more into play with with situations where they're let's call them. Uh, let's call them known unknowns, like the first time starters and the layoff horses where we know there's something we don't know and the market's giving us clues. But when, when you're just betting the form, I think that it's, yeah, it matters, but there's just a, there's just a tipping point where it's like, well, who cares? The trainer's over 70, the horse is 25 to one, like, or whatever, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the other but i know what you mean like what it's it's uh it's 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 frustrating no matter what when when something like that happens but the good news is it's not just going to be uh bad beat stories on on this or or betting screw-up stories not so much bad beat stories betting screw-up stories on this show because i know you got a better story to tell us coming up but tell us about italy in the meantime how was uh how was your experience over there i mean it was just tremendous we, we could not have had a better time that's all um, it was the food was amazing the, you know the we did a we did a bike tour an electric bike tour of rome awesome um, that was just one of the you know one of the best things i've ever done it was so fun to you know slightly intimidating riding a bike through the streets of rome with some of those maniacs uh, oh my God. driving Drum, around Drummer, they're legendarily insane yeah, but you know, it, it, if you sit there and watch them, I think it's almost a better system than what we have in the states because every single participant is on the same page. Like <laughs> it's just aggression. Like the drivers yeah. are aggressive, the motorcycle guys are aggressive, the pedestrians are aggressive, and if you, you know, they all expect you. If there's a hole, they all expect you to hit it, and if you don't, they're going to take it. So like, <laughs> as long as you're equally as aggressive. I felt completely safe and totally fine. The best way I've heard it described as in, in, in most places when a driver encounters trouble, 
the brake is the tool that you use to avoid trouble. In Italy driving, you use the accelerator tool. That's exactly right. And they all they all expect you to do that. So it it, it almost seems safer to me. Whereas over here, you've got some people driving 70 and some people driving 30 and you don't really know what the hell anybody's going to do. You know, I would, I've felt after about 10 minutes of just riding that bike and observing everything, I felt completely comfortable. I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. And it was awesome, man. We, we hit all the sort of highlights of Rome and um, the, the weather was, the weather was beautiful the entire time we were there. Um, how long did you we, go for? You went a little bit longer than we did, which was smart. Yeah, we stayed we stayed three nights in Rome and then took the train to Naples and, and got a ride from Naples to Amalfi and then we're in Amalfi four nights. Did you do any pizza in Naples? No, we didn't uh, we just went straight from the train station to the car. Um gotcha. we didn't stay in Naples at all. We we briefly thought about it, but it was you know, we were too excited to get to the coast and didn't I mean, we would have maybe wandered around for an hour, um, so it didn't seem worth didn't seem worth it to me. And you guys had fun at the wedding, met some nice folks. Yeah, we had a great time. Um, it was, I mean, it was a it was a beautiful ceremony, and yeah. God, you couldn't ask for a better setting than that. Um, oh, gorgeous! It was it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I really, I we we enjoyed ourselves. Our insanity was. We we booked too late to go direct to Naples, so we ended up going through England and had a few days in England, which were amazing. Got to sand out on that Thursday night for that awesome Twilight card and had a great theater day Friday. Um, it was just the way back, doing it all in one day on the way back was insane. It was like a 15, 16 hour travel day that I'm not excited to repeat anytime soon. But everything about it, just like you said, was incredible. And there's just a great assortment of people at the wedding, too. And it was good to see uh, JK in such good form and, and see that, you know, he 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 cleans up pretty well, I have to say. I, I think uh, if I were him, I'd, I'd reinvent my I might reinvent my dressing philosophy, at least for like the Saturday shows or something. He might end up on a college football sideline. He did. He does clean up well, doesn't he? And it's amazing what a, a more muted color palette will do for a fella. <laughs> I did think your outfit in tribute to him was pretty good, though. Oh, thank you. Yes, I, uh, Rusting, it was a floral pattern you had there. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a nice floral that uh, you know I thought just screamed J.K. So what <laughs> what better way to to pay tribute to our boy? Um, you know who? Yeah, I think we've we've. We've got to mention Austin. I think JK's son Austin just stole the stole the whole weekend. That honestly felt bad for for Joe Vanina because she wasn't the focal point of her own wedding. But um, man, that little fellow. He looked good. He's he John, looked, he, he was in full mini me mode. He was. He looked amazing. He gave one of the better speeches I've ever heard in my life, and then stole the show afterwards on the dance floor. I mean, it was just a the dude hit the trifecta in a big way. Don't forget the DJing. He, you, the, the, the little, the little uh, private MK show that we were treated to. Austin was the the, the assistant uh, to the traveling DJ and, and did a great yeah, job, was, uh, a great job spinning as well. I mean, he's a multi talented fella. He really was. It was it was it was a hell of a, hell of a week.
that was it was great stuff and Giovanita did look unbelievable incredible she did. incredible incredible wedding all the way around i was very 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 pleased to have made the the, the trip over and uh my my highlight was giving uh giving um, uh it was my highlight but my my most ridiculous moment of it all was during the dinner watching a race at Monmouth and uh, giving, giving hand signals to a certain trainer about how his horses were doing. That was that, that, that felt like a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And no, we watched Loom's Baldy run live at the dinner table. <laughs> that was fun too. <sighs> that horse is okay, man. He just, maybe that's, maybe that seventh furlong was a little too far. Did you go back and look at your numbers on that by chance? Yeah, he, I thought he, he, you know, his his uh, his issue is just his quicken isn't quite there yet. They he, if they can get him to finish a little better, um, I, I think he's going to be pretty good. But yeah, he just sort of ran. He on my stuff, he just sort of ran his race. You know, he just he just got hooked up with a horse that's got a little bit better finish than him, and. As I've discussed a million times, those those horses are going to stop. So, but I thought all you didn't things think he ran great. Early, you you didn't think it was the seventh. You don't you don't you didn't have him slowing down badly, like 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 more of a six furlong than a seven furlong horse. Um, no, I mean, well, I mean, yes and no. I don't. I typically think horses just run to their figures. Um, you know, I know distance obviously matters but you know with with that horse in particular he doesn't have better finish at six than he does seven it's basically stable so i I think the distance would be fine if the finish is there right and it's interrelated obviously exactly yeah and it's easier it's easier to get away with a lesser finish going six right uh no i don't think so Oh, that's interesting. I, it just depends on the the composition of the field you're in. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're in a field that doesn't have much finish going six, then you'll be able to stay longer. But if you're in a finish that does, I mean, if you're in a field that doesn't have much cumulative finish going seven, you'll be able to stay. It, it, it's really just who you're lined up against, what their finish is versus what your finish is, and, and the pace of the pace of the individual race to me i don't think it's necessarily easier to stay at six if you're a bad finishing horse than it is seven i think it's just it's all circumstance it's just totally dependent on the field you're against and um who's who's going to be coming at you around the turn in terms of spotting a horse like looms boldly though you're much more likely to find the right composition of a field going sixth and seven, I would think. I mean, just because, just the way that horsemen think, they're horses that have, you know, a bit more stamina. I mean, it's just obvious horses with more stamina are going to find themselves going longer. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think, you know, I, I would be, you know, if I owned that horse, I don't, I don't know who owns that horse, but if I did, <laughs> um, I would be fine at six or seven. But, you know, it's just if, if you're torn between a six and a seven and you know the horses going seven are a little bit better finishers, then, then I would opt for the six. But also vice versa. If, the, if there's a couple of real good finishers going six and they're not going seven, I'd go seven. 
Yeah, the way that it shakes out for him, I think that, that, that there isn't like the super obvious spot in town at this point. So I would imagine the options out of town will be will be looked at, um, restricted to three year olds rather than rather than having to face elders. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what the team decides to uh, to do. It, it, it's a very nice thing when you're when you're in hands, uh, both in terms of ownership and, and trainer that you trust as implicitly as I do the folks associated with the namesake who amazingly has already won three races and is a stakes winner. I got to which reminds me, maybe when I'm out at Belmont, over the course of the weekend, I got to go see the photographer. I still haven't done anything about getting photos of these. Of, of these, they they need to be uh, decorating the bunker here around me before before too long. But let's proceed, let's proceed to the uh, unless you have any other. Well, give me an eating highlight of Italy before we before we get back to racing. Well, eating highlight. Well, I think the eating highlight had to be the the cooking class that we took. Where oh we, yeah, yeah, that's we, kind of we so fun. Picked our own vegetables from the garden and. Cooked them up and made some homemade gnocchi. Um, it was, it was just, it was unbelievable. How, how was good that, that food was. Amalfi or in Rome? That was Amalfi. Oh, fantastic! That's great. Oh, I I had one of the best pizzas I've ever had. Actually, just in Amalfi, a place called um, I can't remember. If it was Trattoria Mimi or Pizzeria Mimi, but it was definitely Mimi M I M I up in Ravello, and we mm-hmm. hiked from the beach. We basically hiked from Amalfi like straight up. It was a weird hike because it was basically all steps. <laughs> it was I was sore. Susan and I were both sore for days afterwards. But man, did we earn that pizza and beer. And they had a couple of the beers from the local. It's amazing. Craft beer is everywhere. There was a craft brewery in Amalfi and another in Ravello, and they had them both on the menu there. One of the most satisfying pints I've ever had after that hike. And the pizza reminded me exactly of our defunct one of Susan's favorite restaurants of all time. I think if Susan and I were to name our favorite restaurants of all time in our short list, one would be the late lamented Shea Sophie in, uh, in Saratoga, which you never got to go to where I bartended many, many moons ago. And then the other would be Franny's that was just down the block from us here in Brooklyn. This pizza was like exactly like Franny's maybe even a little better and was just uh just, just tremendous. Anyway, I can't wait to go back. Maybe we'll figure out an excuse to do a horse racing trip to Italy uh, um, at some point in time. But all right, so you came back and were you in, did you need a few days off or did you get right back into work mode? Oh, I needed a few days off. I got a little spot of food poisoning on the flight back, oh, um, which which uh, put a little put a little damper on the on our our connecting flight from JFK to Covington, but um, yeah, I needed uh, I needed about 48 hours after we got back to just get back to myself. That is horrendous. Oh, it, it was the absolute worst. I mean, just, I was stumbling through JFK, um, just making sure I knew where every trash can was in, in, oh. in view, because I had to, yeah, it was not good. Oh, my um, God. Did so you thank have- you, American Airlines, for that salad <laughs> or whatever the hell caused that. That was tremendous of you. Too. Did you want to get sick too, or was it just was this one limited to you? No, it was just me. That's why I think it was food poisoning. Was because we she was the only thing she did eat was yep. the fucking salad that I did eat for some dumb reason. Um, but I walk that lettuce. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I, you know, I took a few days, got back to it. 
I'm losing track of how long we've been back now. We've been back for what, 10 days now, I guess. Yeah, that was no, the four last. Yeah, so I uh, I didn't really bet seriously, I guess, until this past weekend. Well, let's talk about that because I realize we also want to talk a little Belmont here on this show. So let's get to the let's get to the big story. Would, did it seem like a particularly good opportunity? Like, set the stage for us a little bit. Well, so it sort of started the week the week that we were in Italy. They had a big you know they had like two and a half million dollars carried over into the six up and you know i i looked at the sequence and it's not very often you can you can actually say this legitimately um but they it was the night that romantic warrior who's you know either the first or second best horse over there was running in a in a stake race and was going to be you know, two to five at, at, at most, but he looked vulnerable to me. Um, his last race wasn't that fast. He just looked like he'd sort of tailed off. And even though he was winning, I just thought he, you know, I thought he could get beat. Um, so I studied that sequence and said, you know, geez, you could make a million dollars tonight if, if you're right. Um, and I, I ended up not being able to play it. I had some internet issues and travel stuff and just, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't get involved in that sequence, but he got beat and it paid, it paid off like two and a half million to one ticket. But it was a, it was a ticket that was bought locally in Hong Kong that wasn't eligible for the full, um, payoff. So what they do there is they carried another two million over into last Sunday's card. And, I knew I wanted to get involved in that card. So I started looking at it and it was sort of a similar, it was sort of a similar sequence, except this past weekend, the the heavy favorites didn't look like they could get beat. They just looked solid as a rock. There was, you know, the best sprinter over there, Lucky Swainess was running and, you know, he was in like a field of eight and was just, much the best horse and was going to be, you know, two to five, one to five, something like that. But he didn't look like he could get beat. And then the best dirt horse over there was running in the very next race and sort of the same thing, had a had a huge figure edge, was tactical, was going to get a perfect trip, just didn't look like a loser. Um, so then you sort of got to decide, well, is this thing even worth playing if there's going to be two, two to five shots win easy? And I, I just know I did a little study, you know, after that big Keeneland pick six back in the spring um, that I thought paid horrendously based Three on the hours. based on the results. I looked at the Hong Kong pools that had similar liquidity just to see, you know, what the difference was. And there were multiple examples of these big pick six pools where you had one, two, three winning favorites and, and logicals around them that still paid really, really well. So, you know, I decided, yeah, it was worth playing, even though I talked to, you know, some other other people that I knew at least would look at it and they didn't think it was, you know, they thought it was just going to be chalky and wasn't, wasn't worth getting involved with. Um, 
So at the very, you know, at the very start of it, it just seemed like a pick four and not a pick six because you had these two horses. And when you got more into the sequence, there was a horse in the last race who had a, a big figure edge, was clearly the best horse to me. Um, but he was coming off a layoff from January. And you sort of had to decide what to do with that horse. But this is this is sort of the advantage of the Hong Kong system. What what I'm going to say here is, you know, he he had bled for both nostrils pretty bad after that January race. And they put him on the shelf. He'd come back with two good trials, and you know they're not going to let that horse run if they think he's still bleeding. So he had to to prove himself in those trial races. So you knew the horse should be fine. Like, of course he could bleed again during the race. It's more strenuous than the trial, but you've got a lot more confidence that that horse is ready to go than you would say in this country. Yeah. And And then the other, you know, angle to him was he's trained by the defending champion trainer, who is currently this season second in the standings, and he's still sort of got an outside shot to to win the trainer's title again. Um, so you know, I figured like he's not going to send out short horses that often this time of year. He's going to send out you know horses that are ready to roll. Um, you know, so so I decided that that you could just single him, and he was like eight or nine to one on the board. Um, the day before. So I thought, you know, you've got two solid winners. You've got a horse that should win at a price. So you could play this thing just as a pick three. And that's ultimately the way I structured it was just three stone cold singles. And then three races that were completely up for grabs. And I mean, like completely up for grabs. Um, so I decided to to use, you know, the tools that we have available to just bet those three races efficiently, basically just the way the board had them. I looked at the double pools, used some of the stuff that Marshall tweets about with the imputed odds, and weighted those other three races the way they were weighted publicly. So all, all, all in the other three? Did you you didn't make any? No. No, I, I threw a few out. I, I, I think we went, uh, I say we because I had a partner in this play um, financially. But we went nine, I think, nine by 11 by eight. And how, and how big were the fields? 12 to 14. I think that, I think the, I think the eight, the race where we used eight, I think there were 12. I think the other two were 14. So, I mean, we threw some horses out. There were some, some horses that didn't look like they could win. Um, but it was a pretty big spread with three singles. But when you have three singles and one of them is going to be six or eight to one with that much liquidity, you know, going that deep makes sense. And and in one of those races, we almost didn't go deep enough. We had to win a, you know, we had to win a f- pretty close photo from a 90 to one shot that, that almost snapped us. Um, in the in the ninth or in the fifth leg of this thing, so it was really interesting actually because the, you know the first the way it was structured it was like spread race spread race single single spread race single, 
and the first two legs we got we got good horses and they both got bet late in the wind pool the the first one was nine to one the entire betting and ended up he, he got bet real late down to five to one and he won and in the second race um we caught a 12 to one shot that had been 16 or 18 to one most of the betting so the 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 money was smart that day, but if you went back and looked at the double, the imputed odds for the doubles, that, that second winner was more like 20 to one in the double pool. And in the pick six, he probably was a little higher than that. And then, you know, both singles won super impressively. Um, we got lucky in the fifth race and won that photo. Was, I mean, it wasn't like a, it was like a head. We got up right in the last few jumps to win that leg. And then the, the last horse gets a great trip and had a little spot of trouble and exploded home at the end once he got clear and won as easy as you'll see a six to one horse win in, in a while. Um, so it worked out. It worked out really well. We, yeah, we hit it. Um, and then what, you know, I, you don't know, they don't give you will pays over there. So you don't really know what you're alive to. Um, but there was, you know, they were paying out like close to 4 million, like 3.8 million is what they ended up paying out. And, you know, I was going to be, I was going to be pretty happy if it paid 20,000, maybe, um, just with those two heavy singles. I mean, you knew you didn't eliminate all that many tickets because everybody, every ticket had those two horses probably singled if not used um but it came back real well we you know we ended up getting seventy six thousand out of it nice with with consolation so oh that's amazing yeah it's nice when it works out and it's nice when you know it's all you know that your opinions are right and run well and um so yeah, it was a it was a pleasant uh, pleasant Sunday morning here at the, at the board. It did almost four X what you would have been happy with. I mean, that just speaks to the what we've always talked about in terms of the the equity that's in these pools, the meat on the bone, as we like to say, as opposed to what you know some of the examples we've seen, like the Cleveland triple carryover you were mentioning, or some of these others where it, it, it there it's just the ratio of smart money to uninformed money is such that it's hard to feel like you win even when you win sometimes. So that, that, that had to be very, very satisfying. Hey, I want to ask you more about this, but it's one minute at happy Valley. Are you going to make a play here? Yeah, I'm going to make a win bet on the five. I don't the exact. I want to play is probably too short. All right. Well, what will follow? Uh, actually, no, it's not. I'm going to bet the five to win and box five, 10 at the exact. That's all right. Five, five, ten. We'll watch it. We'll watch that along as we chat. Does this? Do you feel like that officially ends the uh, the cold streak that you've been on since we started these shows? I mean, what, what's your what's your standing as far as that goes? Um, well, I mean, financially it does. Yes, I mean, that that was a much needed big big hit. Um, I still think I've got to clean up some some betting stuff which will be a lot easier to do now than um, than before. I don't quite feel as much pressure. Right. Uh, but 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I know from experience that one big hit does not necessarily change months of bad decision making. So, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna resist the temptation to buy in for ten thousand to this damn contest this weekend. I know that that's I'm not doing that. Um, I think it's only five. Is it only five? But yeah, but you you got to get two to play this. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, you know yeah. that, especially especially when there's you know other situations out there that may have 10 involved. So um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy in for one and take a knife to a gunfight. And I'm not going to buy in for two because I don't really want to spend that much money on it. So right. um, that's a know, significant basically. chunk. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the, 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 the way to do that. If you want, if I were you and was going to do that and they're off here at, uh, at happy Valley would be to do it like in, in partnership, non-collusive partnership, but like where you're taking your own financial risk much, much lower. And if you don't want to jack around with that, I think, yeah, just passing and, you know, playing the races, playing the races normally makes sense um, as far as far as the contest goes. But, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the time to get crazy loose. That's for sure. But no. it's just it's just got to feel really good. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I was. You know the result is what it is, and it's it's great. But the you know my I think my process and thinking about that particular wager and and analyzing the liquidity and you know putting the play together, I was very very pleased with that aspect of it. And I think that says good things about you know where I'm headed going into the summer. Yeah, I mean, I love. I love not being too much of a wise guy in those races with a favorite. I love coming up with the right separator and I love the weighted semi, you know, not all, but most that approach, you know, I, I mean, I just think that's a, a very, a very sharp way to play. I suppose in a way, I don't want to say you got lucky, but it, it was easier for you having two spread legs in the first two legs to be able to use that market signal to weight the tickets um, specifically, rather than if those were blind legs later, you'd have had a lot more guesswork. You you were, you had a lot more market signal to help guide you along. Well, I don't know. You know, they open the pools so early over there. Um, there's there's enough liquidity yeah. to sort of analyze things. It's not as blind as it is in this country. You know, you can look at the doubles that you know have you know, twenty four hours out if, if you need to and and see the liquidity so i mean it it might have helped a little bit but i think i think just the way they open those pools early and give you give you a look into them is is really good i wasn't thinking about that no joy here at uh in hong kong it didn't look like i'm half i'm half lost with all the white saddle towels yeah i'm moving up the inside but he's not gonna get there he's gonna run third um oh i'm ahead of you i But uh, yeah, you were a little ahead of me. It is nice that they put the the silks on the screen with the white saddle towel. That gives you that gives you something to to follow along. I feel like even internationally, even in a thirty runner field, if you used stripes and there'd be things to do that you could still try to to color code. But I guess it's just not the way they not the way they've ever done it, and they don't seem to have. There seems to be no one clamoring for it other than USA Horseplay. Yeah, it takes some getting used to. It, it's it's tough to 
it's tough to follow some of these, um, but they do they do a good job you know, displaying the silks and. So we we had a volunteer. We had we had somebody reach out, and we've had. Gosh, I know there's at least one good question that we have. I've been falling behind on questions, but we did have somebody volunteer. You'd mentioned at some point, Sean, wanting to, you know, be able to lay horses in the USA. We did have somebody say that if we wanted to experiment with that a little bit this summer, um, maybe more, you know, not as a financial investment for various, you know, legal reasons, but at least as a, a thought experiment, you know, it might be an interesting project to try for for Saratoga or a weekend here even just to to show what's what's available internationally, you know, not as a replacement for any tote betting on USA stuff, but maybe as something to augment it. If you're interested in uh, in doing something like that, you know, I could put us together with this person and and we could uh, we could try to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's worth exploring for sure. There's, um, I, I know there's opportunity there. It's just, it's just the, you know, there's a lot of moving parts with trusting other people with money and and stuff like yeah. that. But well, it's more it, doing uh, it more academically, I think it takes. Yeah, no, that that would be that would certainly be worth doing. I mean, even if fixed odds happens here, it'll be a long time. It'll be a yet another evolution, I think, before there's any kind of exchange model. But I do think someday it's, you know, within our, within 20 years, I think it's something that will happen. So it might be, might be not a bad idea to, to try to get a jump on it. So you're coming up to New York. What are your travel plans? I fly up uh, Thursday. I think I get there about 4.30. Okay, great. So you, you are, you are potentially in for dinner or you are in for dinner. You are I, am, I am, I am in my friend. Excellent. Um, Excellent. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit, we'll hit Umberto's and, uh, maybe, maybe we'll see this year if they can bring us a pizza as an appetizer. I feel like, I feel like as a first timer, especially you need to try the, you need to try the pie. It's very rock solid there. Um, and then, so obviously you won't be messing around too much with Thursday. Have you looked at Friday or Saturday much at this point? I've, I glanced at Friday yesterday, um, didn't really see a whole lot that I was super interested in. Looked like some fairly obvious winners and smallish fields, but um, and then I'm I'm looking at Saturday as we speak, trying to. Let's. I have a few specific questions to ask you regarding regarding Saturday. So maybe that's the way. Maybe that's the way we'll do it. And we let's start off in. Let's start off in the Woody Stevens which goes as race number eight on the card. And I was interested to see Arabian lion turning up here. And I thought this was interesting because it's a spot where you've got a horse that just won in wire to wire fashion and has won, you know, shown a lot of speed, but felt to me like maybe this is a classic example of a route speed horse that's going to not be able to be anywhere near the lead with all these horses with sprint speed and uh, maybe a horse that's going to take a lot of money and, and go favored that we can beat. I, I was curious on if your figures also suggest that he's not going to be fast enough to get the lead. And it also seemed to me like a race with all the speed signed on that maybe looking at the race through the lens of late pace could be, could be interesting. And you might have a horse that, uh, that jumped out on your stuff. 
Yeah, no, I, I would I would agree. I think I think he might have trouble um, at least getting an easy lead. They he looks like the kind of horse they're going to try to put on the lead, but he he doesn't have the sort of early lick that you know some of these some of these other horses have. So I, I would agree he might he might struggle to. You know, he's certainly not going to get the trip he got last time. I will say that. Um, and yeah, I mean this, you know, I've got it projected as a fast pace. I think there's plenty of speed in there. Um, it, it could be a good, it could be a good late pace kind of race. Gilmore looks a little interesting. I think that horse, you know, I, that's the horse I cashed on in the in the Pad Day Mile last time. Um, yeah, he's getting better and better. And he ran, God, let's see, he ran six or seven lengths faster in the middle of that Pat Day mile race, and his late pace number only fell off by a length. So he's he's rapidly improving and looks to get a pretty good setup here. That just off the first glance of this thing, that would be the horse I'm the most interested in. Does he look better than the two that beat him who reopposed here, General Jim and Fort Bragg? I mean, the sort of the three of those all look interesting to me at a glance. Yeah, they do. Um, I, I think – I don't know if he looks better than them, but he looks like he has the potential to move forward again where I'm not sure those other two do. And he's also going to be twice the price of it. Exactly. From a wagering standpoint, he definitely looks better than that. Yeah. No, that's... Uh, and from a form cycle standpoint, I think he looks better than them. Um, I just looking through this field, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's the same result, if it's those three horses all sort of battling it out at the wire, because uh, there's not a ton else in here. Yeah, I mean, Gun Pilot comes out of that same race and and made, just looking through the running line, you know, made a made a a big middle move there. But I mean, you know, was well handled by those others. I'm not seeing any reason really to to reverse to reverse form. Yeah, I don't either. I, he he just sort of looks sort of like he is what he is at this point. I don't, I don't see a reason he's going to move forward again. At a glance, would you take a guess at who the best speed might be? I mean, is that is that likely to be Arabian Lion, or do you do you like one of the other? Does somebody else stand out? Um, it's he's probably well. Is are we going to consider Fort Bragg as a speed horse? I don't. Well, it's hard because it's Rosario, right? So it's like he's going to be first or he's going to be last. <laughs> so, and, and but obviously, I mean, I guess they're going to decide, right? I mean, Fort Bragg has passed. I mean, Fort Bragg passed horses the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very good question. The Baffert tactics are really they're an unknown here. That it's. Uh, it, it, I wish I wish we knew what the tactics were going to be on the on the three and the eight. If. If Fort Bragg is close, you know, and like sort of the second flight, which I sort of imagine he is, then I would say he's probably most likely to be best of speed. Yeah. Um, now he wouldn't be best of speed in that he wins the, he wouldn't be dueling or anything. No, no. But I think he in has the potential to take the other speed down. Yeah. Um, if 
they ride him cold and he's way back, then I think Arabian Lion would certainly be best of speed in here. Yeah, it's an interesting, always an interesting race. It is, How, yeah, it is. You know, we talked about on the other show, Caravel being rerouted. They were originally talking Ascot for her. Obviously, she turns up here in the Jiper. Um, at a glance, does she look like a, the standout? I'm pretty sure the market's going to, you know, hammer her and hammer Casa Creed in this race. Uh, did if you feel like at a six furlong turf sprint, you want to try to find some chaos? But are those two the do those two stand out on your stuff, or does it look like a very competitive race? Um, I'm just rolling through here real quick. I, I mean, she's she's much the best. I don't know if I could take her at the price she's going to be um, in this big full field because there's some others in here that I think are improving. And, you know, if if she finds a spot of trouble or something, I, she could get beat. But this probably isn't the kind of race I'm going to want to kind of want to speculate in, honestly, just looking at it here. Uh, front run the Fed, I think is improving a little bit, but you've got to take a deep closer from the 13. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think the angle, just looking at my stuff, is I've sort of got Casa Creed is, is sort of declining a little bit and coming off this layoff. I, I think maybe the, the angle to play here is just try to beat him beat him for second maybe just keep her on top of some of these other price horses and the exact or try you have any info on the saudi race from from casa creed or are you just looking back to last year's form i i just mainly last year's form i, I try not to put a whole lot of emphasis on those foreign races honestly yeah ran all certainly ran all right over there but um you know it is coming Coming back 105 days. There's definitely question marks. There's definitely question marks. I was just wondering with Caravel, my question looking at her is this should be a truly run six. And the six at Belmont, it's a lot more it's a lot more testing than five and a half at Keeneland or or Churchill to me. And so I guess that's another question for you. Does she does she finish up on your stuff well enough at five and a half that you have no question about a truly run six for her? Uh, no, and she never really has. I mean, she's one of these horses that that has beaten me a lot just because I. She's. I mean, she's never run a triple digit late pace figure. Um, so, I always think she's a little little vulnerable, and she always just shoves me in a locker somewhere. So, <laughs> but I mean, she's one of these horses. She finally on my stuff at least, ran fast throughout a race and, and and she finished fast enough given her early pace figures. So, you know, that that's one of the reasons I just don't have a ton of interest in this race is because I you know I don't feel like she's she's gonna get bet like those horses last weekend in Hong Kong. Maybe not quite that strong, but you know, she's she's gonna be a Heavy favorite, I imagine. Three to two or shorter, I would guess. I would think so. David, who's better at this game than me, said three to one. But I I think I'm going to take all the money. And and I just don't see her as that dominant. Um, So, 
I don't know. She's she's a she's a tricky horse for me. I can't I can't ever get a read on what she's going to do. Let's Early talk about in her career. I thought I had to, I had a read on her, but lately I just I just don't just don't get her. Yeah, she's um. I mean, lately she's just gotten ridiculously good. I'd say, but it's mm-hmm. it's. I'm kind of with you. It's it's hard to have too strong of an opinion against her, and it's hard to key the whole day around her. But you know, beyond lots of nothing strong there. I think the market's going to probably have it about right. How about the Met Mile? How about the return to the races of Cody's Wish down at the rail at Belmont? Not always the best place to be. Is this? Does he lay over on your stuff? He's another horse that's going to probably be four. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's. You know, Talk he's about best, fish, right? Yeah, he's yeah, no kidding. One sixteen last time, late face. Um, one seventeen in the in the forego last year. He, he's, you know, I think he's probably the best horse in training right now. And but this is a you know this is a really good race. I slow down. Andy ran really well in the Breeders' Cup. Um, you know, Repo Rocks, no idea where he finds these races, but he ran really fast last time. So uh, there's some there's some dangers in here, but I imagine Cody's Wish probably wins this race. Zandon, a horse we've talked about, theorized about that a mile, one turn might really be his wheelhouse, and I don't think the Cigar Mile is, is a relevant line. Sloppy track, slow pace, trying to close. You know, didn't run great in the Westchester, but with that prep, I mean, he's he's an interesting alternative to me to run, or less an alternative maybe than an exact partner. Does he look okay on your stuff, or, or do those last two running lines leave you cold? He doesn't. Uh, yeah, I would say cold. I mean, he he looks okay, but I I imagine he gets bet a little bit, and I'd rather have some of these other ones at higher odds. Than him, I mean, his he doesn't look to me like he's progressed um, from three to four all that much. It's hard if to if, tell. if at all. I mean, yeah. I, I would just say he hasn't progressed. Actually, you're making a bet on the come with him for for sure. I'm just trying to think if he if that horse is actually five or six to one for once to maybe run in underneath. What about the Manhattan? Obviously tricky. Without I don't I doubt you have all your info yet on the. Uh, on the foreign runners, but I guess the key question that I'd ask you looking at your stuff is how strong does up to the mark look? Well, as it's slowly loading, I will filibuster here. This is the horse that won the turf classic. Very, very impressive yeah. going out for, uh, for Pletcher had an excuse in the maker's mark mile, um, flattered that, uh, that that Chez Pierre form line, um, and okay, yeah, it's, a, it's up. It's up. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, he looks good. He looks really good. That was a nice race. Ran really fast. Finished. Yeah, finished very fast. Uh, without looking at the foreign horses, I and mean, he's definitely a horse to beat. Yeah, eight to five on David's morning line. Ran notably, really efficiently. Looking at the time form. U.S. pace line mm-hmm. in the Turf Classic, you know you, you don't. Uh, he doesn't scream like he needs 
the mile and a quarter, but he shapes like it. You know what I mean? Like just from that last running line, you wouldn't think it would be a problem. But, you know, you got Warren Point who disappointed in the man of war, but that looked like classic move into a fast pace um, type stuff to me. I think he'll be very live coming back. And then he's got Ottoman Fleet coming back, the horse that won the, the Fort Marcy. So, yeah, you do. You will have lines on on those. Does, does either of those U.S. running lines from the three or the four look like anything special? No, um, not at all, really. I, the war, war and Point. I don't have the Man of War as, as a very very good race. Uh, you know, just rolling through here at first glance, I'm I'm inclined to say up to the mark is sort of the, the horse you base your exotics around, you know, your horizontals around. He just looks like a winner to me. And let's spend a few minutes here at the end talking about the Belmont Stakes. Um, I made an international wager last night on uh, Archangelo and Hitchco at uh, 14 to 1, and or the other way around, 12 to 1 and 14 to 1, respectively. I feel pretty good about those being some value. I have questions about the top choices in here. I Tapatrice is a tricky horse. I mean, if you just look at his PP cut, it looks like the PP cut of a Belmont winner, but just knowing some of the quirks of this horse, I'm a little scared though, as Marshall and I were saying last night while sitting around watching baseball, if he's going to show his best, it's probably going to be in a single digit runner field around Belmont. So not not a horse I can chuck, but not a horse I want to trust either um, with all my betting life. And then there's the mystery that is Forte making his return to the races. Very curious, Sean, to get your thoughts on, on this one. Will, will it be another Belmont for Todd Pletcher? Um, gosh, I don't know. I, I don't really want any part of Tabitrice. Trice. Um, I didn't think he had much of an excuse in the Derby. I thought he ran, you know, pretty, pretty shitty, to be honest. Yeah, it and, wasn't good. You know, uh, at the price he's going to be, I, I'm not interested at all. I'm not really interested in Forte with, you know, all that's going on with him. I, I guess, I guess you're supposed to trust the the process and, Say if they're going to let him run, he's fine. But I, you know, things have gotten so weird in this country now. I just don't know if you're. I don't, I'm not going to trust the process at two to one or five to two or whatever the hell kind of price he's going to be. Um, Angel of Empire, uh, he ran fine. You know, he ran fine in the Derby. I think um, only fine, not a big finish. I mean, he's, he he ran, you know, maybe a length better on my stuff um, throughout that race. So I can't knock him, but I don't, I don't love that they're putting blinkers on him. Um, I don't really like equipment changes on horses that are in form and are running their races. It just sort of tells me they don't, they don't exactly know what to do. Um, and again, at third choice odds, I, I don't have a whole, ton of interest in, in betting that horse and, you know if he's anywhere near seven to two I, I think you know hit show I, I don't love that horse um, 
but I can at least make a case. I can sort of spin up a story about him at a price. I think he was much too close to the pace in the Derby and, and acquitted himself nicely finishing that race, given that circumstance. Um, and in a race like the Belmont, where, you know, I think having some tactical speed and and being in front of a lot of these horses is going to be a big, big benefit. Uh, that that would be, just off the top of my head, the horse I would be the most interested in betting. Yeah, I liked him for the, all the reasons you said, and the blood. You know, Candy Ride, yeah. out of a tap at Damn Actress. I mean, just feels like a horse that should come forward for both the middle move into the hot pace, the last day, and the bloodlines. What about Archangelo? Does he look okay on your stuff? You know, I haven't done a figure for that last race for some reason. I need to get on that. So as not to disappoint the uh, the listeners, I'll send out a tweet when we have a chance to to talk about that. That later looms boldly on Twitter if you want to follow along for that. Yeah, I mean, it looked to me like he finished up very well into a slow pace and, and you know, another pedigree that uh, just, just feels like should uh, should should go forward. Yeah, I remember being impressed watching that race. Um, with his with his effort, so I'll just I'll pull that. If we got five minutes, I'll pull that up right now and try to try to get yeah, it figured on the fly. Why not? Why not? Um, but that's interesting. I'm glad that it does seem like you share a little bit of skepticism about those at the top of the market. National Treasure, the other one we have to talk about in there. You'd imagine he'll try to wire him again. And Marshall pointed out last night that looking back at the time form pace figures for the Preakness. N- not ridiculous. He was able to very much slow it down, but not ridiculously slow. Not, not as much of a gift looking at the pace line for national treasure as I thought it was watching it visually. Granted, I'm pretty darn sure a first missions in the race national treasure doesn't win, but it wasn't like some joke that can be completely dismissed out of hand either. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Um, okay. So it looks like, up the PPs again. It was a very slow pace in that Peter Pan. Yeah, and he was, and and Archangelo was not on it, right? What's the what kind of buyer did they give him? They gave him a ninety-seven. Well, my final's going to be lower than that. He's going to run like a a ninety for me. But the story okay. of that race is going to be the late pace number. So as soon yes, as that shows up. Yeah, when you do figures the way that you do them, I'll point this out to the to the listeners who might not know. Since you're being a little bit more true, you have that late pace number to help you tell a different story. So with a slow pace, it's, there's only so fast you can go late. But if you're not exactly. going to upgrading that, it's it's not necessarily. You might hear, oh, a ninety against these horses, kiss of death. That's not necessarily the case. Right, right. So he. He ran okay. I mean, he's only going to run a 98 late pace figure. Um, but progressive, improving, right blood. I, I'm not feeling horrible about my bet here. Man. No, I wouldn't feel horrible. About it. He's definitely getting better. He's definitely bred to love this, you know, love this trip. And then just, you know, just for, just for reference, he ran three races back at, in the, in the January 14th Gulfstream race. He had a very similar early pace line as he did in the Peter Pan. 
and he only finished in like a mid seventy that day, and now he's finishing in a ninety eight and improving his his final um, as well. So he's definitely getting better, and you know he can win this race certainly because I, you know, this is a pretty wide open race when you look at it. There's no there's no slam dunk in here, in my opinion. Tactics will also be fascinating with the two Pletchers and the uh, the three Cox runners. It feels like National Treasure is not going to be able to be alone on the lead. It feels like that would be be a mistake. You'd you'd hope somebody would be uh, would be spying him up uh, from a from a long way out. I'll be a little disappointed if he just wires me again. Yeah, I mean, you'd hope that, but that's putting a lot of faith in some of these guys that. <laughs> we've we've repeatedly seen what they do, especially in stakes races in New York. It's uh, it's hard to it's hard to inject pace into some of these things. Man, there's not a lot in here. I, it doesn't it doesn't the to just random miracle low horse. Don't don't they just have to send that horse? What else are you gonna do with him? Yeah, you would think. I mean, I just don't know that he's fast enough to trouble. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, he's not probably fast not to trouble National Treasure. How does National Treasure look? How fast did you have the Preakness as a race? Just average. Um, I think I've got it just about what what Bayer did. Yeah, it's you know mid mid to high ninety. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he's another one. He looks. In this field, he looks fine on paper, but I'm not super interested in betting on him. What were you going to do with Forte in the Derby before the scratch? I don't remember. I know we talked about it, but I don't remember. Uh, you know, I think I, I think even when they scratched him, I was undecided on what to do. I was going to – the odds were going to tell me what to do. I didn't have a ton of interest in him at short – you know – three to one but i thought at five or six to one you had to use him i thought he was you know i thought he was one of the more likely winners of the race just all form um but i didn't trust him and in that race i i was who did i key in there i think i keyed angel vampire um it was just a he was he was he was the sort of the last minute decision for me i was glad they scratched him because i didn't know what the hell to do with him well i think that's what you said is very smart in terms of um you know he was that exact kind of horse where it felt like he could be anywhere from five to two to five to one especially once the story started hitting the air so i totally i totally get that here you've got to figure he's going to be the favorite i was thinking he was going to be a heavy favorite david has it much closer um, five to two, Forte three to one, Tapatrice. That's closer than the international odds, and you know he may be right. It, it uh, is very interested to see how they bet this race again. Tapatrice just he has that look, you know. I just feel like we've seen this exact PP cut win this race before, um, with a different name on top. Yeah, I you know I don't know if I really agree with that. I, I mean, I think in theory that's true, but I also think the the previous Pletcher sort of derby underperformers that have come back to win this race had more of an excuse in the derby than this horse does. Yeah. I, I just don't see, you know, objectively this horse just ran terrible in the derby. I mean, he should have run 
links better than he did. For sure. So, you know, when I think back of some of those other ones, I think they had legitimate excuses, whereas this horse, I don't know if he has any excuse at all. Um, this may be one of those, like, you know, Pletcher underperforms on the Derby, wins the Belmont narrative type horses that is going to be completely overbet. Yeah, I was saying it almost, I wasn't saying it making, trying to make the horse as much as I was saying it why the horse could get hammered. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think uh, he's assuredly going to get bet. And just, you know, first glance at this race, he's probably the reason, if I do bet this race, half seriously uh, he would be the reason why is i would just throw him out and, and try to beat them all together it's like thinking about this race in the pick six or whatever it's it's hard i don't have i don't have i mean i might just try to key around those same value horses because i can i can sort of talk out of both sides of my mouth about about and i don't obviously i don't love tapatrice forte or angel of empire but like if I was, if I had some clever opinions in the pick six, I wouldn't want to have nothing to them either. And then all of a sudden, I'm using five horses. The picks. I assume the pick six is going to end on the Belmont. I assume so too. Let's confirm that. Oh, and they also have the two day pick six. That's interesting. Is it a different denomination, like on Derby weekend? I think it's probably a well, but in New York, it's a dollar anyway. Right. So yeah, race seven, the Phipps starts a dollar pick six, um, but there are a bunch of extra bets. You know what? I'll get my ducks in a row on that. We're going to do a show tonight with JK and Stephen Christ, and I will uh, give you a a, a report um, on that show. Actually, I think we have a producer here who's got this uh, got this covered. Producer Marshall, uh, the two day pick six is going to have a fifth. Okay, it is going to have a different denomination, but in the other direction, 15% takeout, 20 cent base wager. And the sequence begins on Friday in race nine. That's the acorn. Then the Belmont gold cup. And then four races on Saturday, uh, which would be the Jiper, the Met, the Manhattan and the Belmont stakes. So that's, that's an interesting option because you wonder, you know, the 20 cents makes you think, computer benefit but they don't you often don't see the as much of that money turning up over these two-day bets so i'll be involved in that i think i'm going to play that then there's some other fun ones too a two-day pick four that actually starts on on thursday with the two stakes races there that could be really fun that's a two dollar base wager pick four 24 percent takeout there but in game selection terms it might be worth paying that freight um and then let's see what else we got besides those two. There's a New York and Met Mile double. There's a Belmont Gold Cup, Belmont Stakes double. A two-day Philly and Mare double with the Acorn and the Phipps. That's a $5 base with an 18.5% takeout. The two sprints pair in a double with that same um, terms, the $5 and the 18%. That's the Intercontinental and the Woody Stevens. There's a $3 pick three. There's a ton of great stuff here. Um, I got, we'll create a pretty link, I think, on the website, um, and, and you'll be able to find that. What should we call it? Let's let's call it, and it won't be up for a minute because i got to get Tyler to set up the page, but we'll call it, um, we'll call it two-day, we'll call it, what do we call it? 
Two-day bets. So T-W-O-D-A-Y bets if you want to get a quick thing that in the money podcast.com slash two-day bets. Because I know the people who've been listening this far to this show care about these things and they're not that easy to find. So we'll we'll get that uh, we'll get that all sorted out. Producer Marshall, if you just send me that link, it would be a big help as well. Just text it to me if you don't mind, and we'll get that, we'll get that sorted. Anything else you want to chat about, Sean, on uh, on today's show, or do you want to get ready for flight? I think I need to I need to hop off here and help uh, help get the little one out the door to her her summer camp. So I'm I'm good. I'm good to nice. go. Excellent. Well, we 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 appreciate you racking up the air miles. We appreciate you taking time out and sharing stories. And glad to have it end today with a, with a positive one. Hopefully, we keep the momentum rolling this weekend. The next time I see you, we'll be out at beautiful Belmont Park, my friend. Looking forward to it. See you guys soon. We'll thank Sean one more time. We'll thank producer Marshall for coming through in the clutch. We'll thank all of you for listening. I apologize. If you've sent me a recent question for this show, resend it to me. I've gotten things lost with all of my crazy travel. We'll get to some questions after the Belmont, but that's a really fun aspect of the show that I definitely want to get back to. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.